Brooklyn's Radio believes your health matters. On the line with me today, I've got Dr. Amal Khan. Hello, doctor. Hello, good afternoon. How are you? Oh, good, thank you. It's really good to have you here today. Let me just do a little bit of an introduction. So Dr. Khan and his lovely wife, Lindsay, set up the Harley Street Clinic in Surrey. It's a medical aesthetics clinic in Rygate. Um, and the clinic is a branch of one of London's most exclusive aesthetics clinics based in the world's most famous medical strip, Harley Street, which has been on speed dial, as we know, to some of UK's biggest celebs since 2004 and was also the focus of the Sky Network's television documentary series Stitch Me, Lift Me, Tuck Me in 2013, which featured lots of celebrity clients. Um, it's so lovely to have you on here today, Dr. Khan. Did you always want to be a doctor? Um, yeah, ever since the age of eight, I can remember making that decision that I wanted to be a doctor. And um, I mean, really, I was inspired by my grandfather, who I never met. Mm. He passed uh, when my father was 13, but my dad always talked about him and what he did. And then when I found out more about him from the rest of my family, it really inspired me. And he, he was uh, an eye specialist, and he did a lot of pro bono work for people because he believed that you know people deserve to have good health. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know the whole crux of the and, and the, the, the essence of the National Health Service is providing medical treatment and medical care at the point of need, and that really helps me very well. So from the age of eight, I decided that I was going to be a doctor. Fantastic. And was your father a doctor? No, he wasn't. Oh, he wasn't. okay. Yeah. So he, he was a lecturer, and he lectured law. Um, but, um, yeah. Hmm. Fascinating. And when did you decide to move into sort of cosmetic surgery? Well, it was, it, it was a natural progression, really. Because throughout my career, um, I eventually went into general practice, but I had a real passion and interest for surgical procedures and, and plastics. So I did a lot of minor procedures for um, practices in my area, and you know, I was working in hospital as well. And um, I wanted to get better results for my patients. What I wanted to do was, because when I was operating on them, I was seeing patients with burns, with different scarring from different causes anything from trauma all the way through to acne and what I wanted to do was start to explore ways of getting better results for them and at that time laser treatments were being used to help with scarring mm. and um, I started to look at lasers and um, I went to a conference where I met Leslie um, you know, my wife mm-hmm. and um, at the time she was very much into cosmeceuticals and skincare and and helping surgeons to improve the, the sort of results after surgery with improved scar healing and improved um, skin. So that's where we met, and, and that's where my interest really started. Mm, fascinating. It's always lovely to hear stories of how people got into something when they have that real passion for the line of work that they're in. Mm. Are there certain treatments you carry out that are more popular than others? I think that the whole attitude is changing because when, when I came in to cosmetic medicine, there was a lot of surgery. And, and Leslie had been in the 
the industry for much longer than I had. And when she started, it was either a face cream or full-on plastic surgery. Mm. But over the years, non-surgical treatments have developed and technology has improved um, and our techniques have improved. And, and one of the things that we've got to realize, even though we've been around since 20 years and, and cosmetic surgery has developed over the last 25 years or so, it's a very, very new um, part of medicine. Mm. And, you know, a lot of the things that we do in medicine have been tested and tried over many, many years, decades, and even centuries, and, and developed. Whereas when you come to cosmetics, it's, it's still relatively new. And we're finding new, newer and better ways of doing things with less risk, less trauma, and better longevity. Mm. And keeping away the surgeon's life appears to be the way that people are going now. So they're getting, you know, they're doing things when they're a bit younger before it becomes a problem. And they're doing listening often to help them keep ahead of the curve. So the need for surgery is becoming um, necessary later and later on in life. Okay, okay, that's interesting. And is there a particular type of person who wants some sort of a, a facial enhancement? I, I think there are facial enhancements and there are sort of facial rejuvenations and, and preservation of, of, of youthfulness. So restoration is, is what we do a lot of. Um, I think more younger people coming in for enhancements because they don't need it. They don't need to have any cosmetic work done mm. at that sort of age. So what they're wanting is enhancements. And a lot of their drive is through social media mm. and the people who present themselves on social media and the treatment cases. They want to, to look like somebody and they may want to enhance their lips. And that's very common. So the commonest um, request from younger people is lip enhancement and cheek enhancement. Right, right. And do you agree that young women in their 20s should be having this, I think it's termed now baby Botox? I think uh, it depends. It really depends. I mean, with um, more and more people being on the computer and being in front of the screen, they're getting lines and wrinkles much earlier. Mm. Um, I think early 20s is probably too young because you can do a lot with skin care and, and looking after yourself um, and, and sort of gentle exercises, uh, facial exercise. But I think there are some youngsters who've got very strong um, expression muscles and on rare occasions they it may be appropriate to do that. But I think you know, early 20s is far too young for cosmetic intervention. Yeah, yeah. Um, turning to the opposite end of the spectrum now, Jane Fonda has always looked fabulous. Mm. And, uh, and she admits to having her first facelift in her 40s and her second in her 70s. And I guess, as you're saying now, things have changed quite dramatically from when she was in her 40s and she's now 84. But she is beginning to claim that she regrets it a little bit and wouldn't do it again because some people do get addicted and end up looking a bit distorted. How do you help your patients to do these subtle changes without getting too addicted? I think the, the thing to do is to have, you know, a sit down and talk to them. And, you know, the, the first thing to do for any clinician, anybody who's carrying out treatments like this, is to, to listen to your patients yeah. and to find out about them. We do a full medical history. You know, our first consultation will be anything from half an hour to an hour, depending on what the patient's needs are. And... 
we really get to know them. And by listening, the more we listen, the more we get to know. Yeah. And I think that's really important. Also, we get to know what their priorities are, what their ideas, their concerns are, you know, and, and what their expectations are. And once we get a good understanding of that, we can then start to, to talk with them and, and help educate them as to what is available, what isn't available, what can be done, what can't be done, and hopefully help them manage their expectations. But our priority is always about patient safety and, you know, and if we're going to always suggest doing nothing because these treatments aren't there as a health treatment. And, you know, and I do understand that it can help with their mental health, it can help their confidence. You know, and a lot of people that we treat feel better about themselves and they feel happier. But we've got to be very careful not to cross that line where we can, you know, where somebody's coming in purely because they've got a psychological problem. Mm. Mm-hmm. No, that that sounds brilliant that you do all that. Uh, what are the benefits of a face? I mean, I'm at that age where I could quite happily go in and have a facelift. Um, what are the benefits of having a facelift? I think a facelift where it's appropriate. And, you know, whereas before, like with Jane Fonda, she was in her 40s yeah. when she had a facelift. In today's world, she probably wouldn't need a facelift at that age. Yeah. Um, and if, if you think about it, if your face is starting to droop and there's excess skin and there's a lot of it, then, you know, a, a 70, 80% improvement in that can be quite significant. Mm. But when it's early on and there's hardly any movement, a 70% improvement isn't going to change very much. So what we've got to look at is the individual and what their needs are. And, and obviously, the older we get, the less our tissues are able to regenerate and to respond to non-surgical treatment. So there's a gradual gradation and movement from, you know, skin care to early non-surgical going through minor surgery and minor interventions all the way through to full surgery. And sometimes people come and ask me for non-surgical treatments, but only surgical treatments will will do. And mm. that, that's what we advise them. Yeah, yeah. No, and I do agree you, skincare and that has, has progressed so much in the last sort of 10 years that you can get some incredible, incredible skincare. And, and obviously there's the whole thing about looking after yourself and the right diet and drinking enough water and Absolutely. it can make a huge difference to the look of your yeah, skin. Definitely. Yeah. And, and part of our assessment is assessing the, the physiological state and, and the, the health of the person. And, and sometimes we do blood tests to find out what's going on. We look into their medical history because their aging process may be a sign of something else going on. Mm. So it's really important to be aware of that. We always give advice about sort of health and regenerative um, approaches people can have with good healthy diet, looking at, you know, their, their sort of exercise status, their weight, you know, whether they've got diabetes, thyroid problems, all of these things are going to have an impact on how we age. So if we're if all we're doing is cosmetics, we're not really doing these people any favours. Mm. You know, I'm a doctor, you know, deep down, and I enjoy and I love working with people, and I want to make them feel better as well as look better. Oh, that's fantastic. You sound like the perfect person to go to if um, if anyone has any any just concerns and thoughts that they might like to have something done. So, Dr. Khan, how can people find out more about you in the clinic? I think it's it's quite easy. Go on to Harley Street um, Skin Clinic 
www.thepeopleshow.com. We've got a, um, a website in London, and we've also got website, and that they, they that will link into the Surrey website okay. and um, into our Hopkinson website. So, you know, where we've got clinics, we, it'll link into those. And if anybody wants to find out more, then have a look at that, and then certainly, by all means, come and have a consultation and see, you know, what's required and you know what what's right for you. Fantastic. Thank you so much. We will post the website details up on the Brooklands Radio page as well, so that if people haven't had, um, aren't quick enough to jot it down, they'll be able to find it there. So, Dr. Khan, thank you so much for having a chat with us today. You're very welcome. Thank you. That was Dr. Khan from the Harley Street Skin Clinic in Surrey. Brooklands Radio believes your health matters. 